What is the true nature of reality? What matters and why? In Douglas Adams' wickedly funny book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the answer to the question of the meaning of life, the universe and everything is 42. In this series of podcasts, we're going to discover the real meaning of life, the universe and everything. Episode 1. The Absolute Truth If you were an old cynic, like me, you might feel there's good reason for doubting grandiose claims like this podcast will change your life, or as in my case, this podcast will explain the meaning of the universe and what it means to be human. You might reasonably think that the opening you've just heard is a trick to lure you in and get more hits or reviews or whatever it is podcasters want from their work. I have written other things, but this is the first time I've written a podcast. Or maybe you think that no one knows the meaning of life, so I can't possibly explain it. And who knows what it means to be human anyway? We'll discuss the origin of meaning in the universe in episode 3, when you'll meet the intriguing and mysterious creature I'd called Nova. An animal I'm going to claim was the most important ever to have lived. And in episode 5, you'll find out about a meeting. A meeting that took place between David and Jane which I want to say was the most important in human history, because it led to a deeper understanding of what it is to be human. Including the fact that human beings have not one, but two sex drives. We'll find out more about this surprising revelation in episode 7. When you've listened to them, you can decide for yourself whether you think I've achieved what I've claimed. At this point, you might be wondering why it is that if Nova and that mysterious meeting were so fantastically important, you don't know about them already. Why doesn't everybody know? It's a very good question. And the answer is? Well, don't ask me, I don't know. The best answer I've been able to come up with is that we think we know things are true because it's what we're taught at school and because there are things that everyone knows. In other words, there are assumptions that are embedded in our culture. And while some of those assumptions might be true, some may not. Historically, cultures have had built-in assumptions that were obviously wrong. When the ancient Egyptians mummified their leaders, they scooped out their brains and discarded them, while the much more precious hearts, which they believed contained the soul, were left in the body, and other organs were preserved in special receptacles called canopic jars, where they were protected with magical spells. They had no idea that they had thrown away the important bit. Some South American cultures thought that in order to guarantee good weather and harvests, they would have to pacify their gods by sacrificing their children to them. Strangely, or not, we can now forecast the weather with a reasonably high degree of accuracy without ever bothering to tot up the number of sacrificed kids. All cultures make false assumptions about reality, and it'd be very odd if ours was the only one that didn't. I have a degree in philosophy, but I can't claim to be a professional scientist or philosopher. That said, I've spent most of my adult life trying to disentangle myself from our own cultural assumptions so that I can get as near as I can to the ultimate truth. That's all. That's all that's driving this. All I've ever wanted to know is just what's true. This series of eight podcasts will take you on a journey to the best possible explanation of meaning in the universe and what it means to be human. For reasons that will become clear, the engine powering this journey will be science, and the path we will follow will be determined by reason and evidence. The path will not be easy, and for some it might be controversial. For others, perhaps, controversial will be an understatement, but science has developed to a level where a clear path has emerged, and its direction is clear. 
At turns along the path, different visions of the universe and what it means to be human will appear like grand vistas opening before us. Although it must be said that the path fades at one particular point because science does not yet have all the answers we need. We'll consider that problem in episode 4. When we get to episode 6 and 7 we will discover why that mysterious meeting was so important. And finally, in episode 8, we will know enough about what matters in the universe to be able to ask what really should matter. In the instructions I've listened to about making a podcast, the beginning of the first episode is where I'm supposed to introduce myself and tell you why I'm qualified to make it. But I'm not going to bother with any of that. None of this has anything to do with me, or what I want or believe. If it is, then I've failed completely in everything I've set out to do. My aim has been to base the ideas on those that any moderately intelligent, rational agent, like me or you, would find when they judge the case on the evidence before them. This comes with the warning that the destination of the journey may not be the one that you, or I, would like it to be. But whatever your beliefs, hopes and understandings might be, I hope you will find your journey stimulating and enlightening, and that the visions revealed along the path will make your journey worthwhile. This first episode is about truth. But is there such a thing as truth? And if there is, can we know what it is? At this point you might be forgiven for thinking that there are things we can all know. I know what my name is, what the year is, where I live, etc. But what can we know that is absolutely true without any and all doubt? This question was explored by the 17th century French mathematician and philosopher René Descartes. He observed that sometimes when he was dreaming, his dreams felt real. Was his dream world real, or the one in which he thought he really was living in? He went on to imagine that there could be an evil demon that was deceiving him about the existence of everything around him, even his own body. If I follow Descartes' reasoning, and the universe is effectively a figment of my imagination, how can we answer the question of the meaning of life, the universe and everything? I mean, if he was right and everything might be a dream, how can we even know we exist? Fortunately, Descartes had an answer to the question of whether he existed, and for me, what he did was a stroke of genius, and one of the greatest philosophical insights of all time. Because Descartes knew he was thinking, he realised it would be impossible for the evil demon to be tricking him about that, because if he didn't exist, who was the evil demon tricking? This argument, in Latin, cogito ergo sum, or in English, I think, therefore I am, is probably the most famous aphorism in philosophy. Here, I need to say that there are philosophers who have argued that Descartes was wrong, because if he was thinking in words, and words are part of language, then, because language could only ever exist for the purpose of communication between people, and because Descartes would have needed to learn a language before he could have even proposed his idea, then he could not have existed in isolation in the way he thought he did. But it was a worthy effort, and because it's such a well-known idea, I'm going to use it as a useful starting point even if it couldn't have worked quite in the way he thought. There are a couple of similar tropes that philosophers trot out that cast doubt about what we can truly know. For example, it's possible that my brain is in a vat with wires attached to it, and all my thoughts and experiences are being manipulated by a bunch of mad scientists. You might think this sounds completely ridiculous, and I might agree, but try and prove it wrong. Another idea was proposed by an 18th century Irish bishop called George Barclay, who, if I interpreted him correctly, thought that all that truly existed was him and God. 
His idea was that the universe was created in his mind by God so that he could communicate with him. Presumably part of the reason for this was so that his creator could examine his personal qualities to determine whether he was good or bad and to test his faith, in a slightly more sophisticated parallel to Santa's naughty and nice list. The problem with all these proposals is of course that they're a trap. They block all knowledge beyond my knowing that I exist. Descartes thought he had escaped the trap because he reasoned that he had a clear impression of a perfect being. And because he knew he wasn't perfect, he thought this impression must be coming from outside of him. And any perfect being would be less than perfect if he didn't even exist, so the perfect being must exist. Hmm, how did he know that the evil demon hadn't planted that idea in his mind? In any case, I might be able to conceive of a perfect football team, but would that mean that it must necessarily exist? This idea that there must be a perfect being who by definition must exist is a version of the ontological argument for God first proposed by another cleric, an 11th century Archbishop of Canterbury called Anselm. Most philosophers of this period were clerics, partly because then there wouldn't have been many other people who could read and write. I think we can say that despite his intuitions about what is true, Descartes did not find a convincing way out of the trap. In later episodes, I'll show why human intuition isn't always the best way of finding truth. Descartes may not have shown that he existed in isolation, but he did show that something exists. And I know some kind of reality exists, even if it only consists in my thoughts. So let's give this, whatever it is, a name. I'm going to call it the Omnitruth, the description of all and everything that exists, has ever existed and will ever exist the true nature of reality. Anything that's true is part of the Omnitruth. The Omnitruth could be little more than the thoughts in my head, or it could be so immeasurably vast and overwhelming that no human mind could ever begin to comprehend it, and we can't really say which or to what extent either of these possibilities are true. So what can we say about it? Well, we've already shown that it exists, and we know it's complex because my thoughts are complex. And if the Omnitruth was simple, complex thoughts could not exist because my thoughts are part of the Omnitruth. But the Omnitruth has a special kind of complexity. Every time I go out of my front door, it's green. Unless, of course, I decide to paint it, it always opens onto the same street. And if I go to the end of my street, I find it connected to the same street as it did every other time I walked up it. If my thoughts and experience perceptions are organised, so must the Omnitruth. If you think about it, it's conceivable that all that exists is a jumble of particles that have no order. But if all that exists is a random grey scatter, then I couldn't be thinking because there'd be nothing to think about. And it follows that if the Omnitruth is organised or ordered, there must be something that organised it, whether that something is an evil demon, God or natural forces like gravity. There's an argument that gods and evil demons need to be organised entities too, and they need an explanation for their organisation, but I'll put that to one side. The Omnitruth, therefore, has an organising principle or principles. Of course, it might be that the universe popped into existence already fully organised, but then the reason it had to be like that would be its organising principle. We can also say that it is dynamic because my thoughts change over time. Oops, there goes another one. Time. But we do need to be careful here because according to Albert Einstein's theory of general relativity, time and space are two aspects of the same thing. And there's no clear consensus among theoretical physicists 
the people who know about this stuff, about what time is anyway. But I'm getting way, way ahead of myself. All I can say at this point is that it must be omnitrue, absolutely true, that I understand myself as experiencing something like time. And that, guys, is that. Sorry, but we simply can't know anything more about the omnitruth, at least not with complete certainty, than that. It's still possible that I have in some way fundamentally misunderstood something, or that I'm being deceived in some way about the nature of my existence, and even the existence of you, the listeners of this podcast. I mean, I know I exist, but I don't know about you lot. So should I stop now and throw my thought-generated hands in the air that I've imagined around me and give up? Well, as I don't even know you exist, I could. But then I'd have to say I don't know about life, the universe and everything, and accept that the answer might indeed be 42. To move forward from here, I need to take a giant leap of imagination and assume that what I am experiencing is real. Except, of course, this isn't such a giant leap, but a step over a pavement crack. Far and away, the most likely explanation for what I'm experiencing is that it has some foundation in reality. What seems to be real just is real. While I can't prove I'm not in the middle of a dream someone's created for me, it seems to me that the idea that my thoughts are being manipulated is pretty ridiculous, whether that's by evil demons, mad scientists or um, God. So we need to make the assumption that what looks real just is real and move on. There's just no other way out of the trap. The omnitruth then, apart from the truths about it that we've already discovered, is ultimately unknowable at least in the absolute sense. It's worth pausing here to think about what we've just done. We've proved there's an omnitruth and discovered some things that are not merely true about it, they're more than that, they're omnitrue. But we also know that there is much more to learn. Because we've reached this point using our reason and the evidence from our thoughts and experience, this seems to be the most profitable way of going forward. Using evidence and reason, we can develop a way of thinking that will provide us with the most likely explanation for what is true, and therefore the most likely best match with the omnitruth. I think that the best solution to any problem will be found by any intelligent person when they judge the case on the evidence. And this will always provide the most likely answer to what is omnitrue, as long as there is enough of the right kind of evidence available. Let's call this method of thinking best guess reasoning. For those who know something about philosophy, best-guess reasoning conforms to an idea proposed by a medieval philosopher, William of Ockham, another cleric, who thought that the best solution to any problem is the simplest explanation possible, as long as it isn't too simple to explain it. This way of thinking is called Ockham's razor, because it cuts through to the most likely solution to any problem. There are those that think they can find what they call their truths, through belief, tradition, authority, or the wise counsel of great thinkers. The problem with belief is that it often provides contradictory answers to important questions. Was Jesus the Son of God, as Christians believe? Another prophet, as Muslims think? Or a false messiah, as Judaism seems to imply? Traditional ideas might seem comforting, especially if they're held by those dear to us, but that doesn't really imply truth as people belonging to other traditions might have completely different truths. Some might think this is a simplistic argument, and it has to be said that many people believe deeply and profoundly that the universe must have some deeper meaning, which they often associate with God. We'll look at this question in more detail in the final episode, episode 8. And in respect of valuing the work of great thinkers of the past, 
Many may have been geniuses in providing insights into the way they thought the world worked, but they could not have had access to the scientific knowledge that we have today. While no one thinks science has all the answers, in the rest of these podcasts I will use reason, science and evidence to provide the best guess to that mystery of all mysteries, the true nature of reality, the omnitruth. We are now only one step from meeting Nova, and in the next podcast I'm going to try to convince you of something that you already know, but perhaps didn't know that you knew. (music) 